recite some scriptures for us karibu today i will be reciting mark chapter 2 verse 13 to mark chapter 3 verse 35 once again jesus went out beside the lake a large crowd came to him and he began to teach them as he walked along he saw levi son of alphaeus sitting at the tax collector's booth follow me he told him and levi got up and followed him while jesus was having dinner at levi's house many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples for there were many who followed him when the teachers of the law who are pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors they asked his disciples why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners on hearing this jesus said to them i have not it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick i have not come to call the righteous but sinners now john's disciples and the pharisees were fasting some people came and asked jesus how is it that john's disciples and the disciples of the pharisees are fasting but yours are not jesus answered how can the guest of the bridegroom fast while he is with them they cannot so long as they have him with them but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and on that day they will fast no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment if he does the new piece will pull away from the old making the tear worse and no one pours new wine into old wine skins if he does the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wine skins will be ruined no he pours new wine into new wine skins one sabbath jesus was going through the grain fields and as his disciples walked along they began to pick some heads of grain the pharisees say to him look why are they doing what is unlawful on the sabbath he answered have you never read what david did when he and his companions were hungry and in need in the days of abiathar the high priest he entered the house of god and ate the consecrated bread which is lawful only for priests to eat and he also gave some to his companions then he said to them the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath so the son of man is lord even of the sabbath another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there some of them were looking for a reason to accuse jesus so they watched him closely to see if he will heal him on the sabbath jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand stand up in front of everyone then he asked them which is lawful on the sabbath to do good or to do evil to save life or to kill but they remained silent he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts said to the man stretch out your hand he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored then the pharisees went out and began to and began to plot with the herodians how they might kill jesus jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake and a, and a large crowd from galilee followed when they heard all he was doing many people came to him from judea jerusalem idumea and the regions across the jordan and around tyre and sidon because of the crowd he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him for he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him whenever the evil spirit saw him they fell down before him and cried out you are the son of god but he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was
Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Bonages, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then Jesus entered the house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebub. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth. All the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brother arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my, and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Some of us feel very challenged. and <laughs> Can we just appreciate her once again? Thank you so much, Sharon. God bless you. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, it's time for us to hear the word of God. As you can see, the minister is already standing here. Uh, the sermon for today is the Lordship of Jesus. And the readings are what Sharon has read, Mark chapter 2 from verse 13 to chapter 3 from verse 35. Let us pray for the minister of the word of God. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to hear from you. We thank you for the minister of the word, Pastor Koti. As a minister, Lord, I pray for your anointing to be upon him in the name of Jesus. I pray for clarity of speech, O oh God. I pray that Jehovah God will not speak anything of his own, but he will speak, O oh God, that which you have deposited in his heart for your people in the name of the Lord. Our hearts are open, O oh God, and our ears are open to hear from you, O oh God. I pray that this word will not fall to the ground, but it will accomplish the very purpose that you have sent it to. I pray that we'll also not just be hearers of the word, but we will be doers of this word. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Karibu, appreciate our pastor, Pastor Koti. Karibu, son. Good morning, church. For the sun, it is quite, quite the chilly morning. Um, the season of cold is upon us. Are we well? It's good to see you, even for those of us who, who are at home. Um, 
I mean, just turn to your neighbor and just tell them, you know, even though it's a cold morning, you really look wonderful in the presence of God. Thank you, thank you. You all look very wonderful, even for those of us who are in the overflow. We definitely have quite, quite the journey for us this 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 particular Sunday morning, and I pray by God's grace I'll be able to take us through effectively and 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 thoroughly at that. So, <clears throat> for those who may not know me, my name is uh, Pastor Koti. Stephen Koti, I'm, I'm the youth pastor here. I serve here in Nairobi Baptist Church on Gatarongai. Uh, greetings from Pastor Kasim, who's ministering today in NBC Kikuyu. Um, he sends his regards and, of course, converts his prayers as he ministers as well. Now, last Sunday, we were looking at the authority of Jesus. And... and Reverend Irene left us with this particular take home that we should grow in submission and surrender. That we should grow in total submission and surrender to God and to Christ, to his authority. We should relinquish the authority that we hold dear for ourselves and learn and grow in grace to submit to him. Today we'll be looking at the logic of Jesus, his rulership, simply put, the kind of leader that Jesus is. How does he exercise this authority that he has? So for those of us who are perhaps writing or following, this is the roadmap that is ahead of us. These are the three major points that I have for us today. The first is the Lord, our healer, Jehovah Rapha. Then we go to the Lord, our provider or sustainer. Jehovah Jireh. And finally, we will look at the Lord of the Sabbath. And Mark paints for us a marvelous picture of how Jesus truly is Lord. Now, in case my sermon prolongs and you doze off, please pay attention because this is the gist of my message. This is the take home for me. This is what I want you to remember. This is what I want you to go with this Sunday morning. Are you weary? Are you weary? Are you tired? from the burdens of life. Situations not going well, perhaps at work or at home, in relationships around you. Are you tired? Are you burdened by disease? Physical, that is, or perhaps the loss of loved ones. You know, things are going south, especially in this season of COVID. Or perhaps it is the consequences of sin and habitual sin has taken you to a point of you're giving up hope. You know, addictions like alcoholism um, and other forms have just taken you to edge where your mind and your body has wasted away and you're feeling, ah, there's no hope. There's no hope. Have you grown weary and faint? Then this, this, this here is the take-home for you. God beckons you, God beckons me to enter into his rest. He calls us. He calls us into his rest, his rest that is full of life, that is full of healing. His rest that sustains us and keeps us going. His rest that is full of his presence, full of love. His rest, he calls us. We who are weary and heavy laden, he calls us into his rest. That is the sermon for today.
And how do we enter his rest? Simply by believing in Jesus. We trust in him. So we believe in Christ as we trust in his guidance, as he beckons us to obedience, timely, in different situations of our lives. But also we, we enter the rest by clinging and holding on to the hope that he promises us, the hope that is found in his word, that better days are yet to come in, in him. That, that definitely is, is the take home for today. Now, as we dive into Mark's fast-paced account, you know, his account is so fast-paced and we'll be moving quite quickly today. Uh, allow me to bring a couple of things to your attention so that we have better retention of what Mark is telling us. Now, the first thing is the idea of lordship, which, from which our title is derived. Um, that is Mark 2.28, when Jesus says, I, even I, am the Lord, sorry, even the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Hence our title for the Lordship of Jesus. Now, the term Lord has its origin in the conversation that God was having with Moses in the burning bush. That is Exodus chapter 3. Where God introduces himself to Moses and says, I am that I am. Other translations say, I will be as I will be. Now, for, for the Hebrew scholar who was recording that particular scenario, had such a reverence for God. First of all, how the, the spelling, can you, allow me to just spell for us the I am that God pronounced to Moses. It is Y-H-W-H. Y-H-W-H. Can we, can we, are you able to say that? How, how can we say that? How is, you know, it's a difficult word even to pronounce. Yeah. But that's how God introduced himself to Moses and said, I am. Now, the author who was, I mean, the scribes who were writing and recording had such a reverence for the name of God that they did two things so that they maintain the sanctity and the sacredness of God's name. The first thing they did is they added vowels, the vowel A and E, so that we can say Yahweh, you know, Yahweh. To this, <clears throat> the addition of vowels helped you know, it sort of diluted the original name, so you're not saying the exact name, so that it's maintained, it's maintained untouched. It is holy, it's God's name. You cannot just say it uh, blatantly. But they also did something else. They formed a variant of God's name. You know, they were like, no, even, even after adding the vowels, we, it still cannot be pronounced. We cannot just say God's name at large like that, no. So they did something else. They, they added a variant to God's name, which is Jehovah. Jehovah, which for us today we presently know as Lord. The term Lord, as you read your scripture, as you read the Bible, be it capitalized or small, is reference to Jehovah. Jehovah, which goes back to Yahweh. Yahweh, which goes back now to YHWH. So with that understanding, we go to the second thing that I need us to be aware of. The idea of, of the Sabbath is, is a central message in Mark's, Mark's portion of scripture today. And its origin is in Genesis. There's something that I want you to take note of in the account of creation. We have the first day God creates. And then evening and morning come that usher in the second day. We have the second day 
where God creates again. That's, and then after creation, evening and morning come, and they usher in the third. And so the fourth and the fifth and the sixth. Until the seventh day is ushered. And then there's a difference. On the seventh day, God, God is, is not creating. What is God doing on the seventh day? Resting. Thank you. Genesis chapter 2 verse 2 to 3. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Then the tale continues. But do you notice something? There's something that is missing. There's something that was in the previous days, you know? Do you see that evening and morning have not been mentioned after the seventh day? Do you see there's no conclusion of the seventh day, you know? Is it perhaps a, a typo error for the ones who are writing? Um, kindly let's hold that thought as we examine what Mark tells us this morning. So the Lord our healer. The setting is still in Capernaum, uh, Capernaum if you would rather, in the region of Galilee. Jesus calls the most unlikely of individuals, the outcasts, and one such as this was Levi. We are in chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. Um, so he calls Levi. And, and Mark doesn't even give us like a break. He just quickly moves and we are now in Levi's house. And there's a party, you know, cakes, perhaps it was Father's Day, uh, Dr. Joe. Uh, there was a cake there for, for them and they were sharing. Um, and guys are eating and reclining and enjoying. And <clears throat> the Pharisees, just, sorry, the scribes of the Pharisees come and, and they, ask, they, ask, they ask the disciples, you know, surely, why, why does he sit with such company? Why is he sitting with, with, with his outcasts and with his sinners? Why, why of all the people, you know? His response is just, is interesting. Jesus says, well, um, pardon me, but <clears throat> the healthy do not need a doctor. They don't need a physician. I have come, have come not for the righteous, but for sinners alike. It is interesting to note how Jesus equates sin to sickness in his response in verse 17. Those who are well don't need a doctor. They don't need a doctor, which is, it's really, it's really true. Jesus, the great physician, is tending the wounds, the spiritual wounds of his audience. The sinners who are seated there, perhaps people laden with addiction, perhaps pe people with anger management issues, perhaps people struggling with lust, sinners like you and I. Jesus was there fellowshipping with them and tending to their spiritual needs, to the shame that bound their heart. Yeah, he spoke affirmation. He bandages their minds that are plagued with regret and hopelessness with his love. It reminds me of a story. Um, a little while ago when I, 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 I know I'm still a boy, but when I was a wee bit of a boy... <laughs> 
um, there were there were there were these um, ice ice I don't know I don't know ice in plastic in, in a plastic cylindrical tube. They were just ice, water, sugar, and some 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 chemicals to make them very nice. I used to enjoy ice. Now this time I had saved my pocket money quite quite well, and I was like, ah, leo 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 ni takula ice niskiye vizuri. So I went and I bought. They were being sold for a shilling. One was a shilling. So I bought for 50 shillings. And mind you, I did not share, you know. Hence hence <laughs> hence <laughs> hence myself today I did not share. I I sat one after another utamu tu ya ya ice naeka karatasi kando, you know, in case you litter usishikwe na nini. Na tufungua kingine na nyonya. Until the 50 of them ishad. Two days did not pass. I was trembling with fever, like I was shaking like this. I couldn't even walk. And I'm like, oh God, I feel, I feel so bad. This is so intense. And I think for us as well, we indulge in sin. Because the sweetness of it could be equated to the sweetness of ice. But the consequences are so devastating. You can't even function well. So Mark paints for us a marvelous picture of Jesus as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals our spiritual infirmities. And notice, this is not even on a Sabbath. He is partying, but also fellowshipping with sinners, and it is not on a Sabbath. And yet he is addressing their spiritual needs. We quickly shift to chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. Again, we see Jesus healing. And this time it is on a Sabbath within the temple. I like how Jesus is so controversial, not afraid of controversies, you know. He can discern the motives and hearts of people. And he sees there's a genuine need, a guy with a physical infirmity, the shriveled hand. But he discerns that the Pharisees are just there waiting. Goja, you know, what's a niku niku I'm just waiting fanya fanya. And Jesus says, you know what? In fact, since the elephant is already in the room, please come up, up and belly, come in front, really. And he says, so which is better to do on the Sabbath? To give life, to give healing, or to kill? And people were silent. Can you imagine even the guy who was being healed was silent? I'm just shocked. Do you notice that? How, how dare he be silent? He should be shouting for praise. But even he was silent. Um... But Jesus, because of compassion for, for, for the flock of God and for the people of God, says, stretch out your hand. And as he stretched it out, it was fully restored. And the motives of the Pharisees, of course, the fuel was given to them. And of course, they went to plot and kill him. Now, let me just show you a few things as we are looking at Jesus as Jehovah Rapha, our healer. The Pharisees always had an issue with Jesus. Whether it was on a normal day, because on the normal day when he was partying with the sinners, but also healing their spiritual infirmities, they had a problem with him. They're like, why are you eating with them? But not just that. Even on a Sabbath within the synagogue, they have a problem with him healing. He can't be helped. The second thing to note is that Jesus, Jesus doesn't reserve a day for healing. There's no special healing service. No. Every time, normal days, non-Sabbath days, and Sabbath days are all days where Jesus is busy. Busy doing God's work. Busy healing the people of God. The third thing 
to note is in Mark chapter 3, verse 15 to 19. The calling and the sending out of the disciples. What is the result of the ministry of Jesus? You look at the 12 who were named and who were given authority to go and cast out demons and to heal the sick. Remember, there are betrayers there. You know, there are deniers there. The people who love to torture there, amongst the list of the apostles, I'm just talking about their infirmities, their spiritual infirmities, you know. There are guys with sick sicknesses of sin amongst the 12. Yet because they spend time with Jesus, because Jesus took time and he healed them to the degree that he did, they were so effective in ministry. The result of the healing of Jesus was he enabled the ones who were formerly plagued by the malady of sin to go and be conduits and instruments of God's grace to other people. Go out, go out. I'm sending you, go out. And I'm giving you authority. That's what Jesus says. So this is, this is the declaration of Mark to us. First of all, to his immediate audience that he's writing to, but also to us in this day and age. That Jesus, that Jesus is Jehovah Rapha the Lord, our healer. We move on to the Lord, our provider and sustainer. That is chapter 2, verse 18 to 22. Now, yesterday was such a marvelous time. You know, I'm sorry. I I shouldn't rub it in for those of us who are not here physically, so I I will not, but it was really a good time. Um, And Peter, for those of you who do not know, uh, Peter and Nancy are part of the youth ministry and they had their wedding yesterday. It was phenomenal. Um, a very wonderful time. I didn't know certain cultures had the capacity to dance that way. You know, I always thought they are very rigid. But wow, wow. Guys really danced and had regalia so beautiful. But at some point they went for, for a photo session and left us. You know, I don't know the trust they have. They left all the food and their cake here. But I'm wondering, what if they found that there was no food or cake? You know? What if it was over? So we dive in and we see that it's, it's a time of fasting. It's like a week of fasting for Jesus and his disciples. And for everyone generally, it was perhaps a cultural norm. Because the Pharisees' disciples and John's disciples are fasting. Is it not? But... What is Jesus doing with his disciples? I'm sure they were feasting. Perhaps they were in the hotel. You know, they were eating. It was evident. Such that people are wondering, you know, you group are just so strange. Why are other people fasting and you are not? It's so strange. Why? So Jesus gives the euphemism of a groom and his guests and says, well, how is it possible that in a wedding feast that there will be no food for the guests. No, because the groom is with the guests, then they are able to eat. They're able to enjoy it. But a time shall come. A time is coming and a time is at hand that they will need, that the groom will no longer be with them and they will need to fast. This Jesus said, of course, to indicate his death, his resurrection and ascension because he'll physically no longer be with them. But we, we, we just, we just look at his sentence a bit. Why? Sorry. <clears throat> so, Jesus, of course, 
indicates his future his future death as i've said death resurrection and ascension um but 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 looking at 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 christ's at christ's exact words the category in which we fall in because he is no longer physically with us is the disciples who are to fast we are to fast now and in fact how important it is that we are beginning our fast tomorrow so this is definitely a message for us so what what exactly is fasting and what is fasting really especially in this day and age what what is fasting fasting is the physical expression of god's importance as our sustainer or our provider i'll repeat that fasting is the physical expression of god's importance as our sustainer or provider it's not a statement that you just make and say well god is my sustainer and my provider no it's a physical statement that you make and how is it made it is made by denying ourselves the comforts that we are so used to so that we may intentionally seek god mainly through prayer and his word we deny ourselves our comforts not because we we are forced to know but at times you know the comforts that surround us really blind us from the reality of god as provider and sustainer at times we have assurance because we are surrounded by several things perhaps a prospering business or perhaps a family that is grand or perhaps you know giftings that you have um perhaps the security of food you know um these are comforts that we deny ourselves so that we may really see god as 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 our sustainer and provider job said this in in times where he was not just fasting in terms of food everything was taken from him and this is what job said in job 23:12 he says i have treasured the words of his mouth of your mouth o god more than my daily portion of food so a few things to just note because you're about to begin our fasting um three points i'd like to just bring to your focus and to your attention now fasting fasting helps us the the denial of comforts but specifically food it helps us focus on god as our true provider and sustainer again i repeat sadly the comforts that surround us have become idols we have changed the blessings of god to become idols and we need to take a break so that we can see god as provider the second thing i'd like to bring to attention concerning fasting is that fasting has to have an element of proactively seeking god otherwise we we stand the risk of turning our fasting into a food strike how do we do this we need to focus we need we need to focus on god we need to be intentional about prayer and reading his word and things that expose us that remind us to the reality of god but what is the point of me fasting so let's say tomorrow i'm 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 beginning the individual fast as mr simania so eloquently um, announced and then i sleep the whole day i don't pray i don't do anything i'm just surviving i'm survival mode ninalala ndio ah imeja okay yeah it's time to eat let's eat you know 
what kind of a fast is that? Or you're fasting, then you switch on the telly and the series. You're like, you know, let's just pass time so that I distract my mind from the fast. No, no. We are called to focus on God. The point of you denying yourself, the very core of us denying ourselves is to focus on God and to see, to see him, to seek him intentionally. The third thing is Isaiah 58, and I'd encourage you to read that entire chapter, Isaiah 58. I may not have time to read it today for us. You must be of benefit to someone. You cannot fast. Let's see. So what is the point? So let's see. <clears throat> I usually eat, you know, chapati madondo um, on a weekly basis. But then what will I do? I'll save my chapati madondo in my fridge so that when I break my fast, I can eat it. Surely, what life is that? I'll actually eat it cumulatively. So does that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? What kind of life is that? Truly. You must be of benefit to other people. The money you would have spent on supper if you're missing supper, or the money you would have spent on a full day, if you're doing a full day's fast, be of benefit to someone. Buy someone lunch. Buy someone in need. Give them. Be of genuine help. That is what God says in Isaiah 58. You fast in such interesting ways. You are oppressing people. Yeah, you are stepping on them. You are seeing that they are needy, and you are not doing anything about it. No, God says the true kind of fasting is one that benefits others. It is not just a means to store for yourself what you've denied yourself through this way. So, Mark here portrays Jesus as Jehovah Jireh, who provides for his disciples' needs. Because at that time, he had provided for them food as they were eating. Yes, and gave them the leeway to eat, even though a fast was happening. Jesus, Jehovah Jireh. But also, he gives a foreshadow. He gives us a foreshadow and a foretaste of how he will sustain us and how he will sustain them even in seasons such as fasting to prove that he is indeed Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sustains us, the Lord who provides for us. Lastly, the Lord of the Sabbath, which is the core of Mark's message today. That is chapter 2 from verse 23 to 28. And I'll just touch a bit on, on the, the judgment of Jesus as well. Uh, so, at first glance, we can assume that Jesus really enjoyed controversies and confrontations. Really, I think he's a guy who never shied away. Perhaps he's a chronic extrovert from my point of view. Yet, <clears throat> it is interesting to see that Jesus is establishing God's truth as it is supposed to be. Now, before we dive in to, 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 to Mark chapter 2, verse 23 to 28, let's, let's go back to the question that I had asked earlier about Genesis um, and, and the difference in terms of the Sabbath um, why is there, why is there that, that change? Sorry. Why is there that change for us? Now, the Sabbath, 
The Sabbath is, of course, clearly, as we have seen, is the day that God rested. But there's, there's a message. There's a message here. So God rests on the Sabbath day and blesses it and makes it holy and sets, sets it apart as a day like no other where his presence is just enjoyed, you know. But notice, there is no evening and morning, and that is very intentional because it communicates the everlasting rest that God bids us to come. The rest that is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 4. The rest that the disobedient usually miss out on. The rest of God that Adam and Eve enjoyed so marvelously. The point of the Sabbath day is rest. Is rest. Is rest. So God here, again, I emphasize, is communicating, look, there is no evening and morning because my intention is to spend the rest of your days in rest with me, in fellowship with me. You being healed and renewed and rejuvenated. You being in my presence as you fellowship. That is what, that is what, the, the omission of evening and morning for the Sabbath day in Genesis means. But then we look at the context. Now, Jesus' controversy with the Pharisees. Um, it's a Sabbath day. And I'm so glad, really. You know, it looks like Jesus was surrounded by food everywhere. You know, there's food everywhere. Now he's in a green, I mean, in, in a field and with his disciples and he's picking grain to eat. And I don't know if these Pharisees were just idol stalkers, I just don't know why they were following him so much because they were not really into what he was teaching. They were just wachokozi. But they just wait for the opportune time for him to pluck some grain. And they accuse and say, well, lo and behold, it's the Sabbath. Why are you doing this? Why are you breaking the Sabbath? Why are you breaking the Sabbath? should not be working. should be resting. And Jesus says something so phenomenal. He says, he says, well, man was not made for the Sabbath. Rather, it is the Sabbath that was made for man. But even the son of man, referring to himself, is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, <clears throat> so the Sabbath the day of rest. And it's not just the day of rest. It's the concept of entering, because remember, the day of rest is pointing to the eternal rest that God is calling us to. The enjoyment of his presence. But Jesus is like, well, yes, there's a future fuller reality of the very immediate presence of God and the rest that comes from the new life. But now that I am here, there's a fulfillment of that now. It has begun. It has begun with me. And how does he prove this? Number one, I emphasized, is do you see how Jesus does the same things on a Sabbath day and on a normal day? He is communicating to us that every day is supposed to be a Sabbath day. It's supposed to be a hallowed day. It's supposed to be a day that you fellowship with God, that you dwell in his presence, that you reminisce on the reality of God. That is what he is saying, that you do the work of the Father. As you experience rest, as you experience healing, as you experience provision and sustenance from Jehovah, who is God. That is what Jesus is communicating. He just doesn't intentionally break the, 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 the Sabbath day 
just to chokoza the Pharisees, no. He's saying, by the way, the Sabbath is not just this single day that you're putting it. The Sabbath extends. The Sabbath is ongoing. It's a reality. It's a call to us and for us to fellowship with God. He makes normal days into Sabbaths. So the question then, perhaps for, for us, is then, Pastor, you, you know, you've just thrown out the concept of Sabbath from us. Then we should not have a Sabbath. Why are you even here on Sunday, surely? Is it our Sabbath? Should we have a Sabbath? Allow me to read for us what Paul says concerning this in Second Corinthians, Second Colossians, sorry, not Second, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 to 17. Um, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 to 17. And this is what Paul says concerning festivals and including it the Sabbath. He says, therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These, these things are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So what is Paul saying? He's saying, well, formerly, actually the Sabbath was so hallowed that if you worked on the Sabbath, you were to die. To emphasize proximity to God's presence. In fact, just think through the Bible of how many people died because of being near God. There's a guy who tried to save the Ark of the Covenant from falling. He's just trying to save it. And he touched it Without permission, he was not supposed to touch it. And then he died. There are the two sons of Aaron who lit incense without authorization. And fire came out of God's presence and consumed them. There's a thing about proximity to God's presence. And it being a danger to us. I remember Reverend Kasim said it this way. You know, holiness is dangerous to us, especially because we are so sinful. Now, the reason as to why God was very stern with the Sabbath is because we were in his immediate presence. You remember we said Adam and Eve were invited in his presence, in his rest, in the Sabbath to enjoy God's presence. So they were in close proximity. And that's the idea, the close proximity. But when we are in such close proximity, there is death. Yet Jesus comes and says, okay, okay, there's no longer death because, well, I'm here paying sins for you. But the second thing is the Sabbath and the, con the Sabbath is a continual reality. So to answer you, should we have a Sabbath? Are we bound by the law of the Sabbath? Then no, we are not. According to Paul, we have been set free. Elsewhere he says, if someone observes all the days as holy, that is Romans chapter 4 verse 14, if I'm not mistaken. If someone observes all the days as holy, then to him it is, it is acceptable. If someone observes one day as holy, to them is acceptable. But Jesus is saying every day is holy because of proximity to God. Because he's brought us back to God. And he is the Lord of the Sabbath. So then, the danger of having, let me just put it out there. The danger of having one sacred day is because you treat other days as days of sin, as days of allowance. Okay, nilikuwa church, 
I was in church on Sunday. So it gives me leeway to misbehave up to Saturday, midnight. Then Sunday, 12.01, we are in good books with God. The temptation of being holy on Sunday. No, Jesus is fighting against such a mentality by saying every day, every single day is holy and dedicated to God. So, through faith in Christ, we have entered the Sabbath of God that is eternal. All of our days, therefore, ought to be holy and in fellowship with God. Yet our recommendation is an actual physical day from your norm, from the day-to-day hustle and bustle is good for you. Not that you honor it above all other days, but the day of rest for you is good as well. So then what, what is our response to this? Allow me to invite the worship team. Um, even as we ponder and as we sing this song. But before we sing, allow me to read for us Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Mark has painted for us an impeccable picture of who Jesus is and his lordship. He is Jehovah Rapha the Lord, our healer. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider and sustainer. And he is the Lord of the Sabbath who invites us into the rest of God. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. He says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now I do not know in what space God is calling you. We have seen Jesus as the healer of our souls and of our physical infirmities. We have seen Jesus as the provider, the sustainer of our lives. But even more so, we've seen Jesus as the Lord of the Sabbath, more so the pathway into the rest that God has called us. And as we declare that truly God is Yahweh, perhaps why don't you talk to him? I don't know how you need him this morning or this week. I don't know, I don't know what space you're in. But I just give us that allowance to speak to God. And Jesus, aren't our hearts exposed before you this morning? Lord, we are so many. We are so many. In the company of Levi, the group of sinners, the group of tax collectors, who need the great physician to bind, to tear down, to destroy the works of sin, the consequences therein. Lord, we are many. We are many who are longing for hope. Will this season ever end? Will we truly find rest in you, O God? We need you, Jehovah Rapha, our healer. But perhaps not just just for healing. God, there are some of us who have been pushed to situations where provision is an illusion. It's so inconsistent. Yet there are some of us who have that assurance continually to the point where it has become an idol. 
God, we need to see you. We need to see you very tangibly, very visibly. As God, Jehovah Jireh, our provider, our sustainer. But Lord, most importantly, because you bid us to come, to come and partake of your rest. Our lives are marked with tiredness and fatigue and attacks continuously. Lord, we pray. We pray for reprieve. We pray, Lord Jesus, won't you usher in into the rest of God because we trust in you. Perhaps we've clinged onto ourselves, onto our own solutions. We have refused and we have run, we have run away from you time and time again. Lord, won't you forgive us and usher us in back to your rest, to your amazing arms. So Lord, we surrender to you. In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Allow me to invite us to stand. Perhaps you can position your hands, you know, in a receptive manner for, for, for the blessings of the week that is to come. And my prayer for you and over you is that the Lord truly would bless you. Especially now that it's a week of prayer and fasting, that he would make himself very, very tangible and very visible for you. As you call upon his name, may he incline his ear towards you favorably. May the goodness of God never depart from you, but more so, may he give you opportunities to be a blessing to others. As he gives you rest, may you be a blessing to give others rest as well. Pray for the protection of God over you, for the blessing of God over you and all that pertains to you. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.